Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fuck nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I hope you're holding up. Hope you're okay. Getting through it. Muddling. Hope you're not sick. Hope your family's all right. How is your family? How are the kids? How's your mom? How's your dad? Did he get those tests turn out okay? What's going on with that? Is the kid's foot okay? Did the fever go down? Where are we at? Is that soup? Who are you? What happened to you? Why are you talking to me like that? What do you, who do you think I am? Who do you think you are? It is a sad week. Uh, Norm MacDonald has passed away of cancer, which he had uh, apparently for a long time and didn't, uh, didn't tell the public about it. Nor does it seem he told many people close to him. I did ask around, uh, just out of curiosity, if... Uh, if anyone knew that he was ill, it doesn't really matter. He's, he's passed away, and it's tragic and horrible because he was too young. And not unlike every time a past guest dies, uh, we post the episode. We take it out from behind the paywall and post the episode, as we did with Norm uh, day before yesterday. You should know that The talk with Norm was one of the best talks of any talk I've done on this podcast. And at the time, I was so thrilled about it because I didn't really know Norm and I'd made assumptions about Norm from the way he handled himself publicly and on stage. So I didn't really know what to expect. And I I think I expected it to be a difficult conversation, but it was loose. It was funny. It was deep. It was smart. It went all over the place. We talked books. We talked comics. We talked uh, spirituality. We talked uh, God, death. We talked about it all. And I just couldn't believe it happened. And I remember calling my producer and just saying, like, we got to get this up now as if it was urgent because I thought it was so great and so surprising and so uh, connected. And now, tragically, uh, in terms of why we are reposting it and why it's getting attention again. It is still all those things. I think it's a rare glimpse into a part of Norm that he didn't share much. And uh, I'm just so... I'm I'm grateful that we have these episodes when people... uh, that people love pass away. 
you know, even if it, we do it almost immediately upon hearing about the passing, because it reconnects you with that person or connects you for the first time in, in, in a very deep way, in a very human way. And uh, in the midst of that grief of losing somebody that um, you looked up to or you loved or, or from a distance, obviously, a public person, it's nice to have that balance so you can really kind of inform your grief uh, with the humanity of the person and, and, and have a moment of celebrating the life. You know what I mean? So that's up. Also, I, on Monday, we put up this amazing conversation with Tim Reed, uh, who was originally in a comedy team with Tom Dreesen back in the 70s, the first uh, black man and a white man comedy team. He went on to be on WKRP as Venus Flytrap and uh, also uh, Frank's Place and just hundreds of others, it seems, TV shows, but you, you don't want to miss that conversation either. It was, uh, it was a great conversation. Life is stupid and sad, huh? But we keep plugging away, don't we? Stupid and sad. Today on the show, I talked to Melanie Vesey. Uh, she's a comic and also like she, which I didn't really know this, I guess. Maybe I did. She, because I did her podcast, she's a promotional consultant. Uh, and, I, and I've known her for a, a long time. And she has this podcast, Promotional Rescue, which I've been on. But when I met her, it was like way back, right when I got sober. And she was uh, just lit up, man. I think she's got a few more years than me, sober-wise. We talk about it. But when I first got sober, was that 80, 99? Going to those meetings, she just was this little, like, she was bouncing off the walls, man. She had this blonde mohawk, in my recollection. She knew my ex-wife, my second ex-wife, who got me sober, Mishna. And it was just, she was just part of the crew, and I've known her for, for that long. It's so it's so odd, man, how you hold people in this place to where you first met them, you know? And I do it all the time. She moved out here, uh, I think, a little before Mishna and I moved out here. She used to drive around this fucking smoking the bandit type of Trans Am with the Firebird on the top. And Mishna was driving around in this old Fiero. Just kind of s- swaggering chicks, man. But the whole thing about holding someone in your memory and and not taking into mind that they've had a an entire life, even when listening to that Norm Macdonald thing and talking to Norm Macdonald, and I didn't know him. You, you know, we'd met a couple of times, but that was the first conversation we'd ever had. But weirdly, I, I was with him when his first Letterman aired in his hotel room because Caroline Ray, who who knew him from Canada, I was hanging out with her and we went up there to see him and he just was face down on the bed as he did his stand up on television for the first time on David Letterman. And I remember that so clearly. That was the first impression. There's some part of my brain that holds those moments of of the first time you you meet somebody or or see somebody when it's memorable, that first impression. People just stay there. And, and we've all had like at least five lives since then. I mean, I really think about the lives thing, about, you know, who the fuck was that guy? Who was I? Do you ever think that? When you think about things you've been through in your life? I don't know how um, all over the place your life was. I guess that makes a difference because... If you if you did travel a lot or move to a lot of different places or 
do a lot of different things or go through a lot of shit, I guess we all do, sometimes it does feel like some other person did that. Yeah? Yeah, so many lives. Like, anytime anyone asks me about when I started out as a comic, I do not know how I did what I did. I do not know how that kid, that angry, sweaty, fully compulsive, out-of-his-mind guy at 21 or 22 drove around and did one-nighters in New England. I don't know how it... I do know... You know what it is? And I'm just thinking this now, because I was thinking about it, about... You know, what happens in the middle of crisis when people do superhuman things, when people when you just all of a sudden, whatever's happening in the present is so devastating, but requires immediate action and attention. You just do it. When you think about, could I do this or could I do that? A lot of times you're like, I could never do that. But when the shit goes down, you can do it because you don't have a choice. And I think I live my life like that a lot of times. I'm pretty good in a crisis in terms of like showing up. I don't freak out. I freak out thinking about a crisis, but I don't freak out in a crisis. And I just think that most of my life early on that I was so filled with fucking fury and panic and, you know, compulsive need to do stand up and to get places and to try to to figure it out that I did it and I bombed a lot, but I showed up and I did it. So I think that's why the memories are weird. I think that's why sometimes when we look back and we're like, who the fuck was that person that did that? Well, he was in full fucking crisis all the fucking time, terrified out of his mind and throwing himself on stage at pubs and bars and grills and hotel ballrooms all over the New England area for for locals. How is that? Just talking about that, I'm like, oh my God. That gets me sweating just talking about it. Full trauma all the time. Full on. Panic. But it wasn't panic. It was just fear. I forced myself into horrendously uncomfortable situations that I could embarrass myself profoundly almost every night. That's my training. So how does that not feel like another person? And I think that for the first probably 25 years of my comedy career, I lived in that zone, constantly terrified of rejection, but pushing back on that fear with fury and trying to build something entertaining out of that angry fear. Where's that CD? Oh, that would be the first three of them, if you're curious. Uh, not sold out, tickets still available, and final engagement. <laughs> Angry fear. Hilarious. So tonight I'm in St. Louis, and uh, some of those people are going to get an intimate experience. Yeah, come to the late shows for the intimate experience, St. Louis. You got to be vaxxed, got to have proof of vax, you, or you got to have proof of test, because... I don't want my people to get the Delta. I don't want to get the Delta. I don't want to spread the Delta. I'm going to swab my nose today. I'm actually looking forward to it. I panic about St. Louis. I panic about Missouri because I'm angry about the country. But uh, the last time I was there, I had a nice time. It was once a glorious city, one of the great American cities. And I guess on some level it still is. 
but uh, much of what's surrounding it, not great. Not great. So, Melanie Vesey uh, is a comedian. I don't know when she became a comedian. I will talk to her about that. She was an actress, but I can't believe I've known her since I've gotten sober. So 20 some odd years. And here we are. Isn't it wild when you've known people that long? Her stand-up special is called Wild Animal. It's on Amazon Prime Video. And her podcast is called Promotional Rescue. Um, and we're going we're gonna to get into it. And it's going to get deep. Because that's who we are. This is me and Melanie Vest. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grade or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you you get your podcasts. See. My wife's dealing with all of this permitting stuff because she's opening a restaurant downtown. In your house? No, yeah. but permitting is like a real big yeah. deal. No, yeah. I mean, that's how I think it's a racket on some level, but it's you have to do it. Yeah. What does she do? Where, where is it going to be? Like in the fancy, in the new fancy part? Arts District. Uh-huh. And it's called Detroit Vessies, which is... Your name? Well, it's her name. She took my name. Right. Oh, um, so her name's Detroit? Well, her middle name. It's really? A, it's a family name. It's a crazy family name. Is she so, from Michigan too? No. So... <laughs> wow. In the 70s, uh, my stepmom changed her middle name to Dina Detroit. So, but they're okay, yeah. And then she married my dad, so she became Dina Detroit Vesey. Yeah, right. She had my brothers; they were Nick Detroit Vesey, Joe Detroit Vesey. When I had my son, he became Harrison Detroit Vesey. Then, when I married my wife, she became Aaron Detroit Vesey. Really? So, when we were deciding on, well, she was deciding on the name of the restaurant, and I was like, "Let's do something really unique, but kind of cool." And yeah. Detroit Vesey's really kind of popped out, and so that's going to be the name of that's it. it. Okay, she took your name when you got married. Yeah. I'm okay. the dude. You're the dude. I am. Yeah? <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Were you always the dude? Uh, yeah. Historically? Sure. Even with dudes, I'm the dude. Yeah? Yeah. It, huh. it creates a lot of problems. <laughs> because I remember, like, I I was trying to think when I first met you, and it was, I feel like it's in and around the second and second street meeting, and at that time... You had a big blonde mohawk. Yes. Not yet. When I, I first, I, my uh, hair was blonde, but not a mohawk. I didn't get a mohawk until after I moved to LA. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I maybe. Are you sure? You maybe felt like I had a big blonde mohawk. Well, no, but. I just remember, like, I remember <laughs> meeting you because you knew, you knew Mishnah yeah. from the, the places. Yeah. 
from when she before she knew me. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So what? So what is your story? Because I remember then, like I've missed big chunks of it. I remember then that you were an actress. You had mm-hmm. been in a movie, but then you got stabbed or shot. I got shot. Right. Okay. So <laughs> where'd you grow up? Because I I saw you when I was in Detroit. Yeah. And you're from Detroit. Originally, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like you grew up in Detroit. A suburb of Detroit called Royal Oak, which is like... Oh, right. There's a there's a theater there I did. Yeah, no, great. And and uh, Mark's comedy, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle is there. Uh-huh. Michigan and Detroit has a great scene for everything because it's cool enough where people get really good at what they do, but not interesting enough where they get distracted into doing other things. Like yeah. great musicians, great comedians, yeah. great, great people come out of Michigan and Detroit. Well, right. But I, I mean, every time I go there and I have gone there in the past, it didn't seem like it was a great scene. It always seemed a little beat up. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. I love a gritty sit. Sure. And, you know, people learn their shit and usually move out. But what'd you do? Like, like, so was your dad in the automotive business? No, my dad. Uh, well, my dad. My parents were divorced. Like before, I was like one years old. Yeah. Like it was. It was the you know early seventies. They were probably too young. Uh, my dad was a photographer. So you're the youngest. I'm the only of my mom and dad. Oh, but so then the my other... my other brother. My brothers are half brothers. My dad and my stepmom. Okay. Got and it. then my dad moved to New York City. Um, Photographer. Yeah. Fashion. Tabletop. Mm. Beautiful stuff. He's, yeah. he's a genius. I think you guys would have gotten along famously. Was he like a scene guy? Uh, also very into like music. Yeah. Uh, and he played guitar. I think you guys would have been very good friends. A yeah. fucking... Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Was he so he was an art photographer? Um. So like you know, whenever you're, whenever you see product, yeah, perfume bottles, yeah, uh, you know, sure, things like that. Yeah. Um. That was his thing. Yeah. And then I wanted to be a dancer, so I left Royal Oak and moved to New York. A dancer. Yeah. So you grew up without him yes. around, but with your stepdad and like three brothers. No, the brothers were born after I moved to New York. So d- what? Dad, <laughs> dad, and stepmom yeah. had two kids right at later. Way, way later so i'm 21 years older than my brother joe and i'm 14 years older than my brother nick okay. so i was essentially like an only child for a super long time but were you like uh like where does the disaster start uh i would have to say around five i feel <laughs> like five i came to in the trailer we were living in in mount clemens michigan yeah i had a serious moment of clarity yeah. and i was like at Bitch, five you are alone yeah that was it. Like, good luck with this. Like, I, I like it's almost like I came to like in a dream. You know, like when you realize you're dreaming, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be rough. Right. And then kind why of. Why did you? Re- why did you think that? I just knew. For you, yeah. Not because of the situation per se. No, I think the situation was its own challenge. Well, you were in a transaction. trailer. Well, my mom, you know, was married, you know, many times, and you know, there's a lot of uh. turbulent, you know, stuff there. She had a kid at nineteen, twenty. You, you know, yeah. And then she, it was like, was it one of those situations where weird dudes? Oh my god, coming and going. Um. A few stepdads that I don't even remember, but one amazing stepdad, Stephen. Yeah. He was fantastic. So you got one good one? I one good one, but he died at 37. He just oh. dropped dead one day. Oh, my God. While they were married? No, they got divorced. It's it's like, <laughs> it's this is just like an Al-Anon share, like just so much yeah. drama. Yeah. Um, I, but that's good. 
I mean, yeah. it's not good, but it's good stories. Sure. Oh, no. Of. Great stories. But uh, you have to process all this. A lot of processing. Still. Yeah. Still processing. Do sure. we ever stop processing? I don't think so. I think you should keep processing. Do I also you? feel like... I, I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> I mean, maybe right now, like, I'll be 50 in a matter of, like, I don't know, Hours? 15 days, oh, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. Uh, no, it actually. Yeah. And... Um, I'm really to the point now where I'm I'm stopping trying to fix it. I yeah. think it's mostly just acceptance that like, oh, this is the way that it well, is now. Yeah. And also, like, I started to realize because I've been like dry as fuck and uh, but I'm, I'm OK experimenting with the dry as fuckness. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I, I don't have the obsession to drink, but I do know that, like, you know, when I'm dry, you know, my brain's pretty active. Sure. <laughs> so sure. Uh, so I'm, really, I'm willing to make that trade off sometimes. But I start. I had this realization the other day that if you didn't feel good, or if you felt awkward in your childhood, right, for whatever reason, bad parenting, whatever, if you felt uncomfortable being you, every memory is going to be trauma based. Every memory is going to be shame based. Every memory is going to be embarrassing. You're right on. And I like I never saw it that way until and I, and I of course I'm like I think I'm the first one who thought of that. And someone should apply it to treatment. <laughs> You were like, who could I call? Yeah, yeah. Where's the guys <laughs> writing the book? Because I got something to add. Yeah. And it, like, it really blew me away that like, and so, and in addition to that, in terms of like processing, it's all trauma. Yes. It has to all be processed as trauma. Yes. Right? Yes, yes Mark. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because I, oh God, it's so, so funny that you're saying this because, because I think I'm realizing how much. I actually do suffer. I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD right, because yeah. I have childhood trauma compounded with adult trauma. Yeah. As do you. Right. You know, I mean, traumatic events. I never got shot. But, but yeah. you had a partner who died. I mean, you've had other yes, things. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, yeah. real fucking shit. And also like uh, very like emotionally fucked up abusive relationships. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you've had friends die. Yes. I mean, I, you know, from what I know of the outside looking at your yeah. life, you have adult trauma. Yes. Compounded with that. That starts to give you the symptoms of PTSD, irritability, unable to uh, concentrate, uh, yeah. br you know, the, um, you know, ha having a hard time oh, no, like focusing, like yeah. even having a hard time focusing now, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's uh, and also too, everything is colored. And, and I think what's hard sometimes when I talk to people is that like, if I look at my life, I can, if I look at the pictures, I think that's why I take a lot of pictures of my life. Cause yeah. I can then see it from the outside. And I'm like, bitch, you lived, you had a great time. Look at that outfit. Look at that hair. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. To me, registering in my body, yeah. I am. I cannot uh, yeah. usually access joy. I can't. I can't. Access I, I can't either. And, either. and and I don't. And also, not great with the uh, accepting, receiving love, or or giving it same, selflessly. Same, same. <laughs> and I have a beautiful. So a lot of acting as if going on. I have a beautiful, wonderful, amazing, fantastic, gorgeous wife who loves the fuck out of me. Yeah. And I and literally a good kid. You got an amazing kid. I have to sometimes be like accept their love like i have to like yeah. let it come in and right. it's it's not the easiest thing for me yeah no it's i i i i built arguments for myself at to sort of somehow rationalize or defend a position around like joy is not necessary like <laughs> <laughs> like it's overrated it's not a real it's emotion amateurs. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah but it's uncomfortable it's like why would anybody want it and then you realize like it's not uncomfortable for Lo most people losers yeah yeah. Uh, yeah also too i feel like for my identity i my fear sometimes of even giving up some of that stuff and becoming like the hole in the donut 
so much of like, what would I be? Yeah, that's so funny though. Like, you know, after how long, how long have you been sober? 27 years. Yeah, so you're still worried about the hole in the donut sure, thing? Sure, sure, fuck yeah. That, that's fucking nuts. Uh, absolutely. There's not, my brain is fundamentally, and I don't say this to be like, I'm broken. Like, bitch, it's broken. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm super sorry. I'm sorry, but the the donut whole thing is no longer applicable. (laughs) At at 50, you're not, you're not. I think it's just maybe like, you know, the fear of like, I'm going to lose my edge or I'm going to like. But what does even that mean? I mean, that's the weird thing. I mean, (laughs) but what's going to happen is some of the shit that you think is important, like your edge will not be so important anymore. Oh, no. I mean, I, my really good friend Melissa is like, Melanie, being cool is going to kill you. <laughs> like, fucking snap out of it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's just um, old ideas, concepts that once kept me going and probably kept me going at a point when Surviving. I needed it too. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then those things don't work. However, it's my opinion that I've never been able to get rid of them. And I then know. there they I, are. They, and then they, they pop up. Yeah, they become like, yeah, I, you know, I get that too. But let's, let's fill in some blanks. So yeah. you're, you're, you're going through a parade of stepfathers. Yeah. One good one who died. <laughs> so great. And then you move, you run away. Do you run away? No, to no. New York? I, I, when I was young, I wanted to become a dancer because I saw Pinky Tuscadero on Happy Days. And for whatever reason, I was like, I want to be her. You know what's been good for dancers? TikTok, I think. Oh, my God. It's amazing. But, I mean, I haven't danced in years and years. I could, and I have done some kind of dancey TikToks. Yeah. That, but, like, know. I always wondered who the fuck would be a dancer and why. And now, like, TikTok has answered that question. Like, like because, like, I know there's, like, it's one of these things, like, I want to be a dancer. But every time someone says that, I'm like, what, where's the, where are they using dancers other than Vegas or what, what, what kind of job is that? Uh, you work at a like a ballet company, like a modern dance company. Alvin Ailey, Martha Graham. Okay, I mean, so that's like you know, ten people get to do that. You're right. It is. <laughs> I, I've only chosen very specific careers, uh, to which are almost impossible to succeed at. Well, that keeps the shame uh, going. Sure. It? Why not? Yeah. Um, but I did well. You yeah. know what I mean. I um, did you dance well? I. It is truly like my first and greatest gift. Really? Yeah. Were you a natural? Yeah. It is like when music comes on, it's very difficult for me not to move. It's very difficult for me not to feel that from the inside. Did you train? Oh, yeah. I went to Juilliard. I danced. uh, You know, I studied at Alvin Ailey when I was young. When he was alive, I got to see Alvin Ailey, like, working with the dancers. How old were you? Like, 19? No. When I was at Ailey, I was probably, like... 12, 13. Really? Yeah. When I would go in the summers, I would oh, dance okay. there. Okay, yeah. Then I went to the Interlochen Arts Academy, which is, uh, I went to the camp and the school, which is uh, the best hands down years so of my the, life. So your, your mom and you, your various step fathers were, or your real dad was sort of like, this is what she wants. We're going to make it happen for her. Um, they I supported it when you were Yeah, I mean, I, I it was, it was I, I got like kind of like an athlete's, yeah. life it was like dance is the most important thing we don't care if you can read right you know i'm also gen x parents weren't really like around you right know, they, sure. they weren't home they would come home take me to dance class right and then they were doing their thing oh my god <laughs> very much their thing yeah yeah what was that um being absorbed in their own yeah concepts life's dreams not too things. much booze or drugs uh both sides of the family have a lot of addiction yeah mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, it's weird when you have to raise yourself. Yeah. You... I think that it's a, I feel like it's a, it is an asset. It's made me 
very focused, very good at what I do. It's making me incredible, made me incredibly driven. Yeah. The defect, however, is that the, control yeah. and being mm. hyper vigilant is horrible to the humans around you. Hyper vigilant. Like How's that play it's out? just like a, a super aware of everything and yeah. like pushing really, really hard towards everything to the point of exhaustion, to the point of, you know, madness. Are you, just, are you saying you, just, you tried too hard? Of course. I'm sitting here with orange hair. I didn't want to uh, say anything. <laughs> I was like, when I saw you get out of the car, I'm like, what are we doing now? What's happening with her now? Uh, it's always a page turner, you know? Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I've, like I said, like that, it, it's a defect, but I also see it as an, as an asset. Sure. It's a survival thing. So when does the dance crap out though? So you, but you didn't move there when you were twelve. So you're going. No, when did I'm, you did you actually go to Juilliard? I did. And you uh, for how long? Two years. Just one year. And then they kick you out. Or you quit? well ish. Like yeah. so. Unfortunately, by that point, I had yeah. been very ensconced in New York City nightlife, uh-huh. and that was very attractive. What was that eighty? So eighty nine, eight and ninety. So like. You know, mm. the tunnel and Nels and MK and, and how long you were you like Mars. Like I remember Nels. Mm-hmm. I had a bad night freebasing with a guy who is an advertising executive there. Wonderful. Terrible. Okay. I, I, but but I can just remember the creepiness of it because I came back from oh God. But you're out the whole time? Oh yeah. From the time I moved to New York City, I went to my first nightclub when I was fourteen. Yeah. Happy. It was, it was, I found my people. Which one? Uh, my first nightclub was called The Saint and it was all an all ages night. And it yeah. was like, here it is. This is you. <laughs> where, where was this? I think it was on the Lower East Side. Uh-huh. And you can Google The Saint. Yeah. The, the dance floor was this huge, I mean, it was like a football stadium yeah. and inside the ceiling yeah. and just being like, it was, you know, your first time with anything, swept away by the music. And also, too, it was like I was validated. Yeah. People thought I was cute and fun and beautiful. I got someone's, like, their attention. The yeah. red ropes would part and would be like, come in. Yeah. And it's like, me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that tapped into all of the negative spots I had inside of me Filled that weren't, yeah, weren't satisfied mm. as a child. And what was the drugs? Um, I would have to say that I was like a maintenance person, like yeah. daily pot smoker, daily yeah. drinker. Right. However, I'm also an Al-Anon, so I would pretty much do whatever you're doing, oh, which right. would meant whatever, whoever I was dating, whatever their drug of yeah. choice is, I was doing that too. Yeah. So just a garbage head. <laughs> but, but not uh, crazy junkie. No, I never did heroin. Heroin was a total yet for me. Um, and then after I got sober, I primarily dated heroin addict women because that is the hottest thing in the world. What, the, the snoozy women? Um, well, they were all sober. So yeah. they it just meant that there was this extra layer of yeah. like yeah, yeah. nuttiness that sure. really activated that, my right. brain. Oh, the, the one that can never be satisfied again? Oh, Lord. <laughs> like trying to hold a fish out of water. You know what I mean? Just kick and bucking and yeah. just I'm gonna fucking be the thing yeah, and yeah. if I could get them to pay attention to me then I will have won yeah but never never, never was yeah. able to do that so when so Juilliard they had enough of you or how that so I think by the end of that the um, year yeah I was mostly uh, ballet or modern what I was a modern dancer because by design I could never get thin enough to be a ballerina uh-huh. even though my true 
wish was to be a ballerina. I love the structure. I love the, ta- the I love the tutus. You really got to be a, a type, though, huh? It is. It is predestined. It's there's nothing you could do to get yeah that skinny skinny yet strong. It's like there's, modeling in a way. It's like and it's freakish. Very very difficult. Yeah. And then so I was always pushed to modern dance, but it's me and a tutu and a toe shoe is always what I. It's what I still want. What are you fucking I, crazy? I, I think there's still time. I could do it. <laughs> I don't don't give me a, a thing to do. <laughs> Next time I see you, that's what you're going to be wearing. Well. <laughs> When we do the follow-up interview, I'm going to get out of the car just with my like my feet in first position, like flap, 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 flap in my toes. Great. I'm ready. You should do a short film today. Do a TikTok Fine. of you. I'm ready. Fine. I'm Go serious. for it. I'm telling you, I'm, this is a serious career. I'm, shoot your, are you on TikTok? Oh, yeah. I'm not. It's time to get in the tutu <laughs> and do the thing. At this point, it would be a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> A 10 Exactly. There you go. Own it. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. So, but how does the how does the dance dream diminish? How does that tumble into a stump? Um, I think that at that point, like once I left, kind of being under anyone's home, I was really Out free to Juilliard. do whatever I wanted to, um, and I wasn't able to sustain being up at nine o'clock in the morning doing adagio across the floor. Yeah. I just wanted to be in the nightlife. Yeah. My roommate also too at Juilliard was yeah. uh, an actress. She decided she wanted to leave to become an actress. And I was like, oh, because I've never had a sense of self, I've never, like, I couldn't connect with maybe like dance maybe wasn't the end all be all. And I was like, wow, I want to act too. And I felt like I was getting closer to my to my dream of being Pinky Tuscadero. Uh, and so I went to acting school and I went to Stella Adler. But it's so weird because like with me, and, and it's probably the same with you, in retrospect, this idea that we have no sense of self is 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 faulty. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, whatever the hell it is that got us through our lives is is a sense of self. Yes. We don't give it much credit, but when I look at myself, like videos and whatever, I'm like, I'm the same guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the only one that didn't think I had a sense of self, really. I knew there was a piece missing, but yes. it was an emotional component, but I wasn't like some weird, nebulous, you know, boundaryless nerd no. that uh, was like glomming onto people. Yeah, no, I don't think people would look at me and be like, oh, she doesn't know who she is. Like, I clearly look like I do. I but think it's, it's more not, of a tone. It's like a connection that I don't feel, I don't feel it. And I think that's also maybe a part of the addiction component of me is that I want to feel it, but I don't feel it all the time. So let's just keep doing it until we fucking feel uh, here's it. The, like, here's the problem. Maybe, maybe the self-consciousness is is the issue. <laughs> maybe the vigilant, like, am I feeling it? Is this happening? Yeah, am like, is, it, is this kicked in yet? Call your guy, man. Call your guy. You <laughs> Where's know? the guy? <laughs> this shit's... This shit's bunk. It's bunk. Let's take more. Bunk. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. you're face down, yeah. you know? Let's go over there. <laughs> Like, we're going over there. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Dealers. I was thinking about dealers. Mm. Anyway, so no sense of self. Stella Adler was going to give it to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Who was over there when you went over there? So you, you were at the, the school in New York? Yes. You just auditioned to get in? Who was teaching over there at that time? Uh, the amazing Alice Winston, who mm. has passed. Uh, the incredible uh, Jimmy Tripp, who I believe is still alive. Mm. Um, and I think that uh, Stella's grandson, mm. I think, was running the show over there. Um, it was great. It was wonderful. It was probably, I was sober by that time. I got sober at 22. And I who was, were you dating when you decided to act? 
Oh my what God. was that? So let's see. Uh, I think around there. I think I was a little bit kind of freewheeling it. Yeah. No, I had uh, I had a boyfriend who worked at Giorgio Armani. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful guy. Yeah. Amazing. I've had wonderful, amazing boyfriends that yeah. I ruined. Uh, that I I've made a lot of amends. I just want people to know I have tried Wait, what to try to what clean was the tone that up. of of is there a through line to the amendses to men? I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the whole thing, top to bottom, top to bottom. Um, what did you do to him? I was a, a ruthless, selfish girl mm. who probably should have been with women, yeah. but I didn't know that about myself until I was like 25 or 26 years oh, old. Oh, so when I asked you if you were out, you didn't know? No. Well, you you took that as meaning out in the world. Oh, yeah, out in the world. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, no. I, I didn't come out until I was like 25, 26 years old. Really? Oh, no yeah. girls before that? Well, I would, for a long time, it was like I would, when I would be out drinking, it would be a lot of bathroom makeouts with, mm. you know, my friend's girlfriend. Right. I also never connected your male friends, girlfriends. Yeah, oh, um, so you're that or girls' girl. girlfriends, yeah, like yeah. just everyone's girlfriend. Sure, yeah. <laughs> because I was garbage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but no, but uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would, I would get with your person because I didn't have any morals. I, if I was loaded, there was nothing off the table. Sure. I, if it was, if I wanted it, I would fucking take well, it. I, well, isn't that part of the fun? Why make you it? You know bad? what? Yes. <laughs> Yes, and I nailed that shit. Good for you. Nailed it. I'm like, get your shit. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Mm. It took me a long time to figure that out. I didn't even understand that even when I was having sex with men, that yeah. I was, you know, when, not having fun. Well, not having an orgasm. A and yeah. then B when they would get up to take a shower, and I would jerk off and think about women yeah. I, I never even connected that maybe that was a you thought like this a is, queer thing to do maybe, you know what i mean you're like this is what all women do isn't this just how you yeah. do it <laughs> uh no but yes yeah. but yes maybe yes i don't know whatever's right for you listeners yeah. whatever's right for you i'm not yeah. judging yeah that was my experience yeah and then i met uh my first girlfriend uh and it was like as if like a, when you were 26 so you're three mm -hmm. years sober so mm-hmm mm-hmm Mm. And that, is that the cop? Yes. So that's what, okay. So now you're in acting school. Or are you done with it? I'm done with acting school. By that point, uh, it was like it was truly there was a there was a very short period of time. I was sober, finished acting school, start working actress. Really? What'd you do? See, that's why I, I kind of feel like I'm 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 about to enter the picture. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Right. Because like you were in a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, Man on the Moon about Andy Kaufman. Right. That was the one thing I heard. Oh, well, that was, was the, the well. That's the big. That's the big. That's the big ticket item, you know. Okay. But there was also like I was on Law and Order and Homicide and did some NBC pilots and right. Uh, you know, and just was like on like I felt so good and capable and ready i felt like i was fucking ready nothing was in my way yeah. no drugs or alcohol right. i was fucking on fire yeah i turned to my mom and i'm like i'm gonna be on the cover of rolling stone just fucking get ready yeah. just fucking bitch <laughs> this it's on yeah. it's on yeah um and then that was brought to a grinding halt um <laughs> by the fact that my uh, uh you know i yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay. My opinion of why I think that happened with what? getting shot was well, okay. Wait. So you're with this cop. How'd you meet the cop? Okay. So I was. Uh... <laughs> it, here's the thing. I feel like she's still around. 
I, I don't know where she is. Oh, really? I also am, do not want nothing to do with her okay. for obvious reasons. Uh-huh. Um, it felt divine meeting her. Mm. Um, I had an ex-boyfriend who was an artist yeah. who I had bumped into on the street mm-hmm. and he was like, I've got some pictures of paintings of you. Yeah. I wrote down my number. This is before cell phones. I wrote down my number on a piece of paper. Yeah. Three days later, I get a call from a New York City police officer from Bellevue Hospital and he goes, do you know this person? Uh-huh. And I go, yes, I do. And he yeah. goes... I need you to come and identify him. And I was like, oh, shit. And he was like, no, he's not dead. Uh. He's uh, overdosing on cocaine right now, but he held a hostage. So he's in trouble. Uh. And I was like, okay, I'm on my way to go help him. Yeah. So I hopped in a cab and I went up there and he was handcuffed to the bed. And uh, and it was so funny. Like I walked into his little papered off room yeah. and he did was you, like- Did you snag the paintings? And he was- <laughs> You know, I, I should probably ask him where they are. They probably are worth something. He's he a pretty big artist. Yeah, he's a pretty big artist uh, now. Yeah. So, um, and I and I walk in and he was like, I was at a rager last night. And I'm like, bitch, you are fucking in trouble. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go talk with these police officers over here. Yeah. Uh, and I will be right back. Uh, and as I was walking over to this group of police officers it was like a movie and i was walking over to them and these outside ones peeled away and there was this latina yeah. lady cop yeah. standing in the middle of them yeah uh and i had an out-of-body experience and i was like that is what i want yeah. like in a, in the most visceral way so, so your friend handcuffed to the bed disappears everything becomes a oh haze. yeah no it's like and that spike lee thing where he pushes in but yeah. the dolly is going right. forward right. and like the whole thing is like yeah yeah so that was that and that was that and um and she became my first girlfriend yeah and that was a challenging relationship on a lot of levels um and then she became an undercover narcotics officer. Uh-huh. And I broke it off with her because she was buying and selling drugs all day long. And I was like, I'm sober now. Like it was It was like, in the house? No, no. I mean for, you know, for the New York City Police Department. No, I get it. Yeah. Um, no, but it was one of these things where it was like I knew that at some point someone was gonna put a gun to her head and yeah. be like, do these drugs. Yeah. And she was trying to be sober as well. Oh, so she had a thing, yeah. Yeah, and so I broke it off with her. Yeah. And then uh, a year later, she called me, and uh, she was drunk, and she came by my house, and it resulted in her shooting me. In in the leg? Mm Mm-hmm. And it was a fight? So this is where it gets kind of, like, complicated. Yeah. She had asked- You hadn't seen her in a year. Yeah. Mm. She had asked to come by. Yeah. She was armed. Yeah. We were sitting having tea uh-huh. and she pulled the gun out yeah. and and then I was like, would you put that away? And then yeah. she pulled the trigger. So it's one of these things where it's like, I don't know why this happened. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So it doesn't feel like it's hard to define it as like an attack. But it it's could've... also not an accident. Right. Because why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. So it felt to me in the end, uh-huh. this felt cosmic this felt like for whatever reason and this is the way that my brain maybe has gotten a hold of it maybe in a fucked up way but that the universe wanted this to happen Uh to me and what happened immediately after that like i mean did she say fuck and call the cops or no well no i mean it was broad daylight it was outside of a cafe i was laying on the street bleeding um and 
you know, the cops came. Yeah. And at first they asked me who shot me. And I at first protected her because I am an Al-Anon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the cop was like, well, where did the bullet come from, Melanie? And I was like, I don't know. And then the cop was really good. Yeah. And he like got down on all fours and he put his fucking face in my face. I'm laying on the street. They're yeah. literally like trying to get. Where tr- is she? I don't know. She split. She was, I don't know. Like, she was there. I don't know what happened to her at that point. I just was like, oh my God, I've got two bloody holes on either sides of my legs. And I'm just going to lay down right now on the ground because I don't know what's going to happen. Is it a major vessel or? They were worried that that's what happened. So they essentially, like, if you don't get trauma pants on in four minutes to push the blood up into your heart, like that, yes, you could hit that. With that big vessel. Through through the inside of your leg. And so um, this cop was like, Melanie. On all fours. Yeah. yeah. And I literally opened my eyes for one second. And I like clocked him and I closed yeah. my eyes. He had like all the gold bars and all this shit. This yeah, guy was yeah. like a seasoned New York City yeah. fucking pro cop. Yeah. yeah. He was like, Melanie, I know you know who shot you because I guess that's what people say. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to yeah, protect yeah. my fucking stupid friend who just fucking shot me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He goes, if you don't tell me, Melanie, I'm going to find out. And he's screaming in my face. I'm going to find out, Melanie. I'm going to find out. And I was like, that's my ex-girlfriend. She's a cop. She shot me. <laughs> It's funny now, but it was like not funny at the time. No, it's uh, here's the spooky part. So when they took me, they put me in the ambulance and they took me to the emergency room at Bellevue Hospital where I met her. And it was like (sighs) it all came weirdly like full circle. Um, And I feel like that feeling that I felt when I saw her was actually danger and my body being like, this is a bad fucking situation. But because I'm wired backwards in yeah. my mind, right. and I feel love is hate, and I feel yeah. hate is love, yeah. I perceive that as love at first sight. Yeah. And it was not. Now I perceive those feelings as like, you're in danger, girl. Yeah, I, I, I perceive them slightly differently. Let's hear it. But when I feel that juice... Yeah. It go. It takes me back to emotional instability that yes. is very exciting. Yes. So it's it's not love and hate, but I know that it cannot end well. Mm-hmm. Like I I've been telling this story recently that, like I I just had this situation where I was texting with a woman, you know, and I know I was not in great shape, but it got kind of saucy pretty quickly sure and there was just some tweak in the tone I, I i already knew that it was like trauma bonding and you know sexualizing i knew that of course but there was some tweak in the tone of it where it just reminded me like you know because i went through five years with a borderline mm. you know that i had to you know get a restraining order and you know well anyways so i'm just texting with this uh, long story longer yeah and it just hits me like oh my god if i i i never met the person and i was like if i meet this person and we do anything, it's going to take me at least five years to get out of it. Yes. <laughs> like, that's all I knew. Like, that was the, the, the time frame. Yes. Like, if I engage this five years minimum. Yeah. Of trying um, to unhook this. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like one Velcro tine at a time. Just yeah. like. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. fucking going through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really. I mean. But I mean, I'm, obviously, this was years I'm just talking about that impulse and like sort of re uh, assessing that yes. moment because like I, I'm wary to diminish every electrical current that goes between me and other people as being something negative, you, you know, because a lot of times 
like having not a lot of joy in my life, I can look back at some pretty you know, amazing shit that happened in the midst of horrendous drama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got I've to give myself a little bit of a break. I totally hear that. I, my situation resulted with me, like, it ruined my life. It yeah. ruined my career. Um, because it, the, it I took couldn't, the healing? Or? I couldn't, with, like, what the, the trauma of getting shot, yeah. what it did to my mind. Yeah. Um, it ruined my ability to maintain my career, which is everything I've ever worked for. Um, Stayed sober, though. I did. That's not nothing. No, that is not nothing. I'm very, very proud of that. I'm incredibly proud of long-term recovery. Um, however, uh, I know now that I can fuck up my life without a drink or a drug. No problem. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd I, have a name for mine. Okay. And <laughs> You know her. <laughs> what? No, I just mean, like, I got sober and I latched on to somebody. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like... Of course. Oh, my God, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's no... You know, you can really, and you you fuck up your life and you're awake for it. Yeah. That's why I feel like for me, the Al-Anon predates, like the Al-Anon problems predate the drugs and alcohol. I was able to get sober at 22 pretty easily, not living in the home with any of my parents yeah. and getting farther and farther away from that yeah. and maintaining recovery. That's why I feel, and also too, the fact that my sober story is more traumatic uh, and more challenging and more damaging than my using story. Oh, right. Uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, hands down. But like, I just never really understood what an uh, a codependent bottom hitting was. Like, I, you know, I wasn't clear on it. Yeah. You know, and clearly I've been because I always saw myself as the qualifier. Yes. You know, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Like, I used to, like, get that. When I'd go to double winners meetings, you know, I'd be like, no, I'm the, I'm the bad one. You know, like. <laughs> But then I realized, like, oh, I'm such a fucking co, like, like in the worst way, mm. like completely willing to negotiate everything away. Mm. But I only did it like I didn't notice it with Mishna because I was out of my mind. I was, you know, just newly sober. But when I finally noticed it, I'm like, wow. Yeah. And then, of course, everyone, you know, sort of like, yeah, we knew. I'm like, well, thanks for stepping up. You know, this kind of like that mentality of like, we well, don't want to. You know, get and get involved in people's personal life. It's like I'm your friend, and you you probably could have said that. You know, I was in trouble. I think it's really difficult to. It is, of course, because then you're going to be like, "Fuck you, man." Yeah, I think it's hard to hear. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. When you're when the student's ready, the teacher appears type situation. Like when you're ready to hear it, you'll fucking hear it, and it's yeah. also tailor made for you to hear it. Sure, but you don't want to be talking to a cop when you <laughs> when you hear when you're ready to hear it. Like, yeah. I'm ready to hear this. Yeah. And you're on the ground bleeding. Yeah. But what specifically about the recovery from that? Because that's sort of where I came into your life. You were still limping. Yeah, no, it's so funny because I remember I was speaking at a meeting and I literally looked up and saw you and Mish and you sat down and I was like, oh, that's her new guy. Yeah. And I still had a cane from right. walking from being shot. And, you know, I was bringing my message to the people that you can stay sober no matter yeah. what. Look at me. I'm amazing. <laughs> uh, and now I'm like, bitch, this has been hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's but, been I mean, a hard road to Yeah, but, but still, that's that's that thing that you were talking about, that kind of like, um, you know, doing it. I'm going to do it. Like that fortitude and that ambition that, that 
you know, helped us survive that becomes sort of a liability as you get older because the, the tried too hard thing probably helped a lot of people stay sober in the midst of that. That you hadn't obviously processed your feelings, but you knew that you needed to go to the thing. Oh, my God. And talk the talk. Thank God. Right. However, though, um, the challenge in that was I did go to AA, uh, you know, after that. And what ended up happening is a lot of people talking to me about my trauma in these bumper sticker phrases. Sure. Well, it's AA. Which it was like, God's got a plan for you. I'm like, that's a pretty fucked up plan, bitch. Um, (laughs) How about that plan? (laughs) Sounds pretty bunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or um, like they would kind of sometimes put the blame on me. And I'm like, I'm telling you, like, this isn't whatever you're saying to me right now. Yeah. It made me turn my back on program and also to on any sort of higher power, which I had created. And I mostly had created Santa Claus, you know, yeah. I mostly had created yeah, sure. a well, bell, a bellboy. Yeah, I'm like, go get me my shit. So now you don't understand this gift, the gift of the cane. I didn't. The- well, and I, <laughs> and I don't think it's a gift. No, I mean, it was, and I think that's also the hard thing too, sometimes about like the speaking point of trauma is that sometimes people are like, it made me stronger. And I'm like, I think it really fucking fucked me up. Well, it makes you calloused. I think it made me, I'm currently doing a lot of reading about like evil queens and like why people become evil. Like as I'm like, as the years are kind of- Historical queens or or gay men? (laughs) Like, like, like villains in like Disney movies. You know what I mean? Um, Like I'm listening, like I'm reading uh, the fairest of all right now about Mm -hmm. like the, the queen, the, of Snow White. You know what I mean? And like how- these women become evil and it's funny because i i feel like in my heart as things as i'm aging i'm just totally like wow i can really feel like a darkness in my heart like as i'm getting older but what uh, uh, how does that manifest um like what is the impulse out of the dark heart to do what i think it's the um to greet everything with negativity, to greet everything with like, this isn't going to work. Um, and I do have I do have a lot of reference that if, if I if I move forward with something that positive things can happen. But I, there's just been I think it's probably also to the pandemic. It's like coming down. Oh, yeah, and the world's ending. And yeah. But, but, <laughs> but the but that but it's interesting that the darkness that you see at the core of your potentially uh, future evil disposition is, is still, you know, fairly self-flagellating. <laughs> It's, you're, it's not like, you know, I'm going to kill. It's like, I hate me. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, no. Absolutely. fucking uh, And it doesn't help anything. Yeah, you no. know what I mean? Like, No, it just, it, uh, I don't know. It's like a couple of things. Like the, the sort of like um, uh, kind of uh, adage talk of AA. It's like, that's what, that's the weird thing about recovery is that everyone's got these talking points and they're taught to say them and it does enable them to engage but ultimately if you're really spiraling and you need other help you got to go get other help you know 100% but, but, but people are just trying to sort of like this is what I'm taught to do and you know yep. and sometimes all you need is someone to stand there I can't tell you you know after Lynn died like I had neighbors who I didn't know before coming over to check in on me six feet away just watching me cry yeah. and it was all right yeah you know it's it can okay. be messy and it can help you through sure man I mean you know you want to witness yes you know usually but uh, I did, however, like, and I and I do need to say this that like I feel like the dumb shit that people say can uh, be so damaging, and so I always just want to say this that like 
if you're talking to somebody that's going through the thing, yeah. you don't have to figure it out. Right. I have a little script that yeah. I have for people right. where I just say, right. wow, it sounds like you're facing a challenge. Yeah. That's all you have to say. Yeah. If you have the energy, you can tack on this this latter part, which is what can I do to help you? Yeah. But if you don't have that to like cook for them, do laundry or drive them somewhere or help them with anything, that's fine. If you just say, it sounds like you're facing a challenge, the, the damage that people did in trying to figure this out, in blaming me and telling me that this is what God wanted for me, that ruined a relationship that was like literally the one that saved my life. And uh, so- Oh, you're talking about someone specific? It's, it, it's, it feels like hundreds of people have said these words yeah, the, the to God me. thing, I don't need the God thing. Yeah. I well, I really struggle with that as well because it was like it's our first order of business when you get sober. It's like, oh, you've got to get a God. And it's like I've really struggled with it because I I don't have a God of my understanding. I have a God of my not understanding. I go with the uh, I know it's not me. <laughs> Group of drunks, good orderly direction. Like I just, I just like I you know, I'm willing to dissipate it to the 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 miracle of the universe. Yeah. However, I, because of that, I don't, because I felt like the way that everything went down, it felt like it was so choreographed from above. It felt like the universe was making this happen. Why did I need to be there? Why did she need to be there? Why did that need to happen? It felt like uh, like all of these dominoes, it reached super far in each direction that got me there to that point yeah, to have that, that, that transaction. I, I know, but that's like motor brain. I mean, like you feel that, that that's what you felt then? Can, can you at least now just go like, eh, she's fucked up? Or I, do you have to frame it? As some sort of historical event. I think what's hard is that like I've had to frame it and reframe it so many times because it was like I would put it in a frame. The frame didn't work. Put it in another frame. Frame didn't work. Put it in another frame. Frame didn't work. People were incomprehensible. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's who the fuck knows. I know. It's That's a miracle why... we get through every day. The more people you interact with, the, your odds get lower. Oh, no, totally. <laughs> and that's why I always say I have a God of my not understanding. I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah. So I remember I've been doing working something on stage about like how this like the one thing that stuck with me after Lynn passed away was that someone said to me, you know, people when they die, their energy doesn't leave. And I'm like, I don't know if that's helpful. You're like, yeah. oh, God, yeah, I, just... I got used to the human form. Yeah. So now it's just a broad. Oh, energy now, field. now she's just here. Yeah, while right. I'm. <laughs> I, I liked her cooking for somebody else. Sure, uh, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't. It's, fucking... it's nice. I mean, it, it stuck with me, and I still kind of you know you know you talk to birds, whatever you're going to do. But uh, but so how? So your brain, it seems like with that whole kind of the domino thing. That, so that's how you spun out. Yeah. That's what that's what crippled you. Yes, I felt untethered. I felt completely unfounded, and it was almost like. The universe were replicating the parents that I had who didn't care about where I was at and what was going on yeah. with me. So how long, what, what do you do in this period? Because like, I'm trying to think what years this is. So you can't act. You're not going on auditions. What are you doing? Just being depressed? Are you medicating? What's happening? Yeah, I tried medication. Medication yeah. has never worked for me. Uh-huh. Um, and... <clears throat> I moved to LA to jumpstart my career again because after a year of not working... Um, I then, well, I did so have was that kind of quickly. So you, you kind of hit the wall. Got well, shot, I hit the wall and I wanted rehabbed. to, I wanted to die. I, I, after a year after I got shot, I was totally like, oh, I want to die. So I then checked myself into St. Vincent's hospital. Cause I was like, I think I'm going to hurt myself. Hmm. Uh, and then they put me on medication. That medication seemed to be working, but I think it was a total placebo effect. Like, I think I just wanted something yeah, to work for sure. me. 
Uh, and then I moved to LA being yeah. like, bitch, LA, let's get a pilot. Bend the Mohawk yeah, I'll Mohawk. just. Well, I, I did one more movie and I was like, I want to stop trying to like fit into this life that yeah. doesn't maybe seem to completely want me. So I'm going to make it hard for myself? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to look so specific 20 years before it's cool again. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so good luck with that. Um, and That's when you came to my, our house. Yeah, and I told so so funny. I remember that night because I was literally way overdressed, standing in your kitchen. I was yes. probably in like a bathing suit right. and some like Frankie B's. The yeah. top of my right. ass crack was probably hanging out. Right. You were cooking some salmon and asparagus. Yeah. Yeah. You guys just seemed like power couple. Oh, yeah. And I was just totally like the fucking wild animal that yeah. was in your living room. Yeah. Like, hi guys. Yeah, like I'm wild. in LA. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Now what? And yeah. you were like, she'll calm down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. And that's when like. Uh, Mishna had that Fiero. Oh, the Fiero. Well, I had a Trans Am. I had well, that. I remember that it, fucking, the one with the bird on oh, it. Fucking badass. That's right. You were driving that fucking Trans Am and you're. Smokey and the Bandit. And I was. Blonde well, I, Mohawk with I your was really aviators. having like a fucking like. You had a thing going on. I had. A, I was kind of reliving yeah. a teenage life that I never got to have because. I was always dancing. I wasn't I wasn't always allowed to go to school dances and I had to kind of like look and be a certain way. And it yeah. was like, bitch, you know what? If everything's gonna try and kill me, why don't I just fucking live? You know what I mean? So it was like Trans Am, T Tops, Mohawk. It's crazy. Let's fucking get it. Yeah. Let's get it. And you then know? how'd that go? Um, it fucking went great. It was a good, it was a good time. I was totally suffering inside of it though. Yeah. I wish I could have enjoyed that time more. However, yeah. when I look back at the pictures, I'm like, bitch, you look awesome. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> during that time I ha- I moved out here and got like a, a yet another heroin addict yeah. girlfriend who was amazing and wonderful. And yeah. then at some point it was us at Astro Burger and I was like, it's me or the heroin. And she goes, it's the heroin. Uh, and I mean, she said those words. Uh, th- that's not even like a fucking fun metaphor. Yeah. She was like, bitch, not you. Got on her orange Harley and drove off. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Like, if I'm going to be... I just, if I'm gonna be with crazy people, like, yeah. why don't I just choose love? And I don't care if it's dudes, I don't care if it's girls, clearly yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Right. I'm trying to figure out how to, like, keep my feet on this fucking planet. Yeah. So I uh, met and fell in love with a fashion designer and uh, my baby daddy, and I got pregnant with my son. Um, and then it. I kind of remember that guy. Do <laughs> I? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you. Here's the thing I started doing comedy. In that Mohawk phase yeah, for a I, few years. I was such a, a shit about that, though. I'm like, no, oh, now she's doing comedy? Of course. Yeah. So I, I, don't, of know, course. I don't know if I registered it. It was more of a storytelling ga- gimmick then, right? Yeah, because I think I was mostly processing. Yeah, exactly. And so it was like- Because now, but- you're, now you're like a full-on uh, cocky shtickster. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think it was like, well, because peop- someone came up to me and was like, you're really funny. And yeah. I was like, I know. People tell me I'm yeah, funny. Yeah. And then he was like, well, you know, if you want to come perform. Where were you I- performing then? At the Belly Room and, and at the Comedy Store was the first place I ever did comedy. Oh, uh, so. And I had a great first set, and I was like, oh, hi, hello. Yeah. This yeah. feels really right. Yeah. So what year is that? 2002. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that felt really right because for the first time, I think I had my own voice because right. it was like dancing was like 
telling a story silently. Then yeah. it was acting, telling somebody else's story. Right. Comedy is me telling my story. Yeah. And I'd been given a big one. Yeah. And I was fucking on fire. Yeah. And I was also kind of a little bit of an oddity. People weren't performing in Mohawks back then. Right. So it was like I could, you know, be up there in my leather pants. How and... out were you on stage? Um, Pretty out at that time. Yeah. And then got with my baby daddy and then had to reframe that. However, I got pregnant like six months after I met him. And then once I had my son, I couldn't maintain comedy because I didn't really have the support to be out every night. And you can't just like drop in on comedy. So, but okay. So you get pregnant on purpose. Yeah. And uh, you were just sort of, what, what was the impulse there, Mel? Um, I think when you got the you got your, a Trans Am and a Mohawk and <laughs> you're you're kind of running around LA like a baby. That's what I need. Exactly. That'll fill it. No, all. no, it wasn't like that. I think it was like it's always been the search for love, uh-huh. like in a really deep sense. And I, but I've never been that girl that was like, I need a baby and let me watch your kids. I've never been that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I also had like hormones i mean my i could feel my fucking ovaries back yeah, then like yeah, fucking yeah. motorcycle right like just like let's go you yeah. know and i was with a dude and i was like i haven't used birth control in 10 years yeah. so i would like to have a child yeah. and so i'm not going to use birth control and he was like i want to have a kid too and it was yeah. like great two wild animals coming yeah, together sure uh and then i instantly got pregnant because you just have to talk dirty to me and i fucking get pregnant yeah um and then a whole new chapter started with being a parent. How, is he still in the life? Oh yeah, no, oh, my he, my kids with him every weekend oh, and always. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and you guys get along. Ish. I mean, I do a lot to maintain co-parenting. Yeah. Um, we dis- How old's a kid? Sixteen. Oh yeah, he's wow. a big guy. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, I do a lot to maintain co-parenting, which is uh-huh. very challenging. Yeah. Um, but. We're almost done. I mean, yeah. essentially, sure. Harrison is is on his own. And pretty he's much. okay, solid. He's such a great guy. Oh, good. I really, really lucked out. He's a great guy. He's really, really great. You'd love him. He's awesome. He's so great. Really into music. Like, like Kanye just dropped his album, and he was like, "You got to listen to this." You gotta put, yeah, he's like, "You got to put the headphones yeah, in." Yeah. So I'm like laying in his bed, <laughs> with the headphones in, and I'm like, "Oh yeah," I'm like, "Uh huh," like, and I'm like, those moments, like I. Wonderful chef's kiss, you know what I mean? To sure. like have that, but you feel like him. the kid's grounded and you, you was able, you were able to spackle the I do, that's good, and I do because I fucking put a lot of fucking hard work into myself mm. to make sure that whatever happened in my childhood you was know, not replicated with him. That's great. Um, a lot of fucking hard work, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think I've known people that do it in spite of their childhood, right? So they, they're like, I'm going to fucking... And that's the wrong attitude because you can't get out from under it unless you get out from under yeah, it. Yeah, no, right? I mean, I think that can be a little bit of like the wind beneath yeah. your wings yeah. to fucking be like, bitch, no. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. However, um, I think I had like when... So Jeff and I broke up uh, probably like a year and a half, two years. So he went on Project Runway and won. And that was kind of like the flashpoint of like the end of the our- The baby daddy. Yeah. yeah. The end of our relationship because it was like fame. Yeah. Fame adding to any sort of situation can make anything really challenging. I, didn't I know this guy? He's a sober guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Around. I, I, yeah, I kind of remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that ended our relationship and I was like- 
so devastated because you have to understand like it was like getting shot and then like I couldn't make my career click back in my dad had died and now I'm like a brand new mom and like and then it was like fame was happening in our living room and not necessarily in the good way and like it was like I kept on just getting like hits 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 and then I was like I think this is why and this is my opinion like I think this is why sometimes men grow up to hate their mothers because they're with grieving women which is sometimes well it is not attractive it's very challenging and i didn't want that i didn't i didn't want to be that for harrison i didn't yeah. want him to witness me so even in the past when i had fallen apart you don't have a witness right. you can just fall apart yeah. you can just fuck whoever you want eat whatever you want right. do whatever you want switch it up yeah. back and forth up and down what 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 who cares yeah in the presence of a child it got very different and I was like, oh, I need to get it together. Well, it's like, but you know, that's amazing that you stepped up. Yeah. Because like we come from selfish people that rationalize. So you know, the difference between stepping up and rationalizing and not realizing, oh, I've been rationalizing for a decade yeah. into this person's life. Yeah. You know, is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so I got some real, real help with relationships Mm. Uh, and I got some real real help with finances I realized that I had like some money stuff that was like I felt like I was repelling it I was like oh my god even my partner gets a hundred thousand dollars and somehow I fucking end up broke like I was like how does that this is a real gift (laughs) you know what I mean Um, and um, I just did a lot of really hard work and also to like with a child What's happening too is also to your childhood is is being mirrored. You're watching and and remembering what happened at that stage. Yeah. And like we were just to loop back around to what yeah. you were saying at the beginning of this, it's like when you see everything through a negative light, I remember all of the birthdays that didn't happen, all of the challenges that were a struggle. And I'm like, yeah. And then so you're having to relive it. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes what happens is with parents, they either really can click in and be like, okay, I I see how I can make this different. Yeah. Or this is going to repel me so much and I'm going to bounce because I can't fucking hack this. Yeah. And I feel like in the presence of 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 a child, I feel like that is the sometimes can be the truest growth to really heal that childhood stuff stay in it yeah and when did you meet uh the current wife aaron air bear aaron aaron how uh, old was the kid he was five. Oh, okay um and You've been together a while oh my god 10 years we're married yeah. we're, we've been married seven yeah uh together 10 and um i had absolutely given up on marriage or relationships yeah I had even said to myself, this isn't going to work for you. You've tried. You've put in a good 40 years. Yeah. You're done. Right. Let's fucking take the needle. I feel a little of that. Take the needle up off the record. And I just said to myself, you know what? Just have lovers. Who the fuck cares? Have lovers. You've earned it. Whatever. Yeah. Be very clear. Hey, this is yeah. what I, I don't want this. Exactly. I want this. Yeah. Scare the hell out of them. Sure. First thing. I don't yeah. want to get married. I don't want a relationship. I yeah. think we should have some fun together. Yeah. Let's exactly. hang out. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. And I uh, saw Aaron and I was like, and I'll start with you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right out of the gate. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely started with her. Yeah. And she turned out to be the greatest human uh, that ever came into my life. Well, it's a beautiful story. I know. And now she's opening a restaurant. Yeah. You got, so how did the comedy career begin to unfold? How did you sort of evolve into this uh, this kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what I want to, how I want to frame it. 
You're kind of, uh, you know, power top. <laughs> Undercover top. Uh, yeah. In, after comedy uh, with R- Harrison, I then moved into writing and directing and wrote and direct like four short films and yeah. had some screenplays and, you know, th- they had s- their own little kind of like good success and yeah. that felt very good. Um, and then when with Aaron, I realized that there was some stability in my life. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I didn't quit comedy because I was like, I'm done with that. Right. It was like it got taken away. I was very bitter about it. And you I was couldn't like, find a way to make the bread. Well, and I couldn't figure out a way to like someone had to care for my child while yeah. I'm you can't do things. Sure. With the, you know, there's a child there. And I just got to the point where I was like, this isn't done for me. I love doing this. Um and my wife and my kid were like, go, we're fine. Yeah. And I had the freedom because, you know, when you're a parent, your kid comes home at three o'clock, you make dinner and then I'm out the door to go do comedy. Yeah. In my mind, that also kind of triggered some ideas that, of like what an absentee parent would look like. And right. then I was scared. I was like, am I abandoning him? Is he going to be mad at me for this? And my wife and my kid looked at me and they were like, bitch, go. Like, yeah. you're better when you're in doing what you love. Yeah. So about like, I think it's been five or six years now since I've been back doing comedy and I just called everyone I called that when I first started doing comedy, everyone was right where I left them. Sure. Uh, For anybody out there who's taking a break, everyone is right where you left them. Like, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Except for the one or two people. Well, those one or two people that now have Netflix specials and won't won't fucking pick up your call anyway, but fuck them anyway. I hate those people. Yeah. Uh, And, um, and then, Got a weekly show at the comedy store and was like boot camp back yeah. into the fucking trenches. Yeah. And then recorded a special and Yeah, I saw that one. It's been like happening. And what's but what are you doing now? Aren't you involved with some other a new show? Yeah, so I uh I booked a part on the TV show Dave. Oh yeah. And uh shot the season finale. And was it well received? Yeah. I mean have I didn't you watch seen the, the show. show. No, I hear it's pretty groovy. It is really good. Yeah. I really I didn't understand who Lil Dicky is. I'm maybe not the demographic that would maybe come in through his music. Uh-huh. But the show is pretty brilliant in my opinion when it comes to like the uh. creative process, the creative process with partners, the creative process in LA. Yeah. Really fucking nails it. Also there's a guy on there called Gata. He's amazing. His journey with being bipolar. It's it's a pretty fucking epic show. And I was already a fan. So when I got the audition, I was like, wow, this would be really great to nail this. And oh, then great. got to work with um, Andrew Santino and, of course, Dave. And Andrew's a good guy. Really, really fucking great cast and crew. And it great. was really awesome. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that everything's good. You seem good. Yeah. Uh, Hyper aware. Super. Better. Ish. Yeah. It's always a struggle. Does it have to be? No, 100% it doesn't. So what do we do? Um, you literally just hang on day by day. I mean, just doing the best that you possibly can. But isn't can. there any way to stop the struggle? I haven't been successful hmm. with it. I mean, I found that like I've I have through all of the like work on relationships and 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 sobriety and all of those things, um, have found that I have been lucky enough to create a peaceful life. My partner is not a challenge to me. If anything, yeah. she's an asset. Yeah. Although I didn't get into that for her to be an asset. Yeah. Um, my kid is good. Yeah. I have figured out how to have a career and have it maintain and not have to constantly be, you know, damage control or pulling out because the relationship thing is going crazy. Yeah, like yeah. 
that's the thing about having all of this trauma and reenacting it. It's all to get in the way of the thing that I really want. Like when you, I went to go, when you were, um, I saw you at Dynasty Typewriter yeah. and you were talking about your mom and how like the dog and the husband oh, yeah, and like, yeah. what a great way to just not have to do anything. Yeah, connect. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, yeah, I genius. can blame everybody else. Yeah. What a fucker. What a fucking yeah. lunatic. Yeah. How do I do not have to look at myself when I'm doing all that, but it, it, the the spotlight is is on me now because it's just me and everybody else is doing their own thing. Like they're not there to complete me. Sure. They're not to like I'm I am partnering them through this. Yeah, and, but but you've it seems like because of all this work and because of like your understanding of how it's playing out, you've got yourself some space. Yeah, you know it's the, you don't have to wake up and be like, oh fuck, here this goes. I I find that anxiety is my my number one problem with that. Like I'm always. And I have to. I have to tell myself I'm not in a hurry like five times a day. It's like, what's the, what are you doing? Yes. Just stop it. Yeah. I'm like, but I gotta. You don't have to. Nothing. You don't have to do anything. Nobody's yeah. waiting. <laughs> Nobody's tapping their toe. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, I work with artists with my company all the time, and I'm constantly. What's the branding company? The promotional rescue. Yeah. What is that? What is that? Isn't that, I did a podcast, right? You did. You did my podcast. I had no idea what it was about. The promotional rescue talk show. Um, I talk to people about how they promote themselves. Yeah, I don't. I. I don't, that whole subject sounds horrible. I know, but that's why I wanted to talk to you. Oh, because yeah. you have been successful in what you do. However, you've got a challenged relationship with it. And I'm here to feature that. Uh. It can be fucking rough and fucked up, but just fucking like hang in there, keep going. Here's some ways to make it a little bit better. But like you don't have to be perfect at it. It doesn't have to be fucking your dream thing or like a million followers. I, just, I don't even like the whole the brand idea. But you have a great brand, so fuck yeah. off. Yeah, so. I know, but I put very little effort into it. I know, but you nailed it, which is why I wanted to talk to you. But so that, but you're right, but that, that, there's a fine line between just uh, you know what people call your brand. It's 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 like a, a a thing they hang on. You know, somebody you know realize self realization. Okay, so like it, whatever my public personality is, just came by virtue of me pressing forward and it's not it's not the greatest one because there's a lot on the line because i'm too i'm too public and i'm too i'm too uh open in that way uh so the brand is that yeah so it's, it's not necessarily it's a faulty brand but it's it's relatively authentic but it is but i don't see it as something like i'm, I'm moving this you know what i mean no i totally hear what you're saying but it's like even you know maria bamford who's like a client like her last special is called weakness is the brand yeah which i feel like is so brilliant yeah it's funny and it's so helpful what, oh, but a client so what you what uh, it, i built her website i run her social media oh, so this is a consulting service all of it so i consult people and i actually like implement it so if you, so this is the major bread this is the major money source yeah i mean it, it helps me affords me to yeah. do whatever i want right. and be my own boss work in my gym what's it jams, called promotional rescue promotional rescue.com yeah and like, people can go there and go like i need help yep and they can see all my services what are they uh, i can build your website i can run your social media i can talk to you about you know your strategy and how you want to do it but i'm always coming from a place of like how can you get this done not like trying to make you into something yeah. you are not right. i'm not interested huh. in that all right. Well, I'm glad that's working out for you. Yeah. No, I mean it. I really. It's an interesting uh, niche in th the in the show business world, in the modern show business world. I think it came really naturally, only because you know I started promoting nightclubs when I was you know 18 years old, 
handing out flyers, you know, at, at the tunnel and Mars. And it's like, I have always understood promotion. I've also just been one of those people where it's like, I know everybody. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. Like, I'm a that girl. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Melanie yeah. will know somebody. Right. I'm a natural producer. Sure. I'm a natural project manager. That's where the, like, the defects become an asset. Mm. Where it's like being out, the need to know and understand everything that's freaking happening. Now people pay me to fucking do that for them. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I can make that connection. I can help you put this all together. I can see all the details. I can oh, see good. it through to the end. Yeah, because if you have an idea for your movie or your special or whatever, and you can't get it off your fucking hard drive, because also too the trauma of artists, they don't want to talk about themselves, and then it comes to a fucking grinding halt. And I know that in the in my own career, coming to a grinding halt is one of my greatest pains. So I would do anything to like help people like get over that bridge. Do you call yourself a publicist? No, because that's like traditional outreach to people to get placement. I just call myself a promotions consultant. Mm. But what I do is like way deeper sometimes with talking to people about their resistance around being visible. Yeah. It's very challenging for some people and they feel very vulnerable. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they don't like it. I mean, promotion gets, I mean, your reaction is exactly the reaction. It's the brakes go on. You're just totally like, I don't want to, why? No, I get it. I'm going to turn off Twitter and, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. I I mean, I understand it all, but like, I'm fortunate, you know, however I've landed, like, I'm not, like, I don't sit at home thinking like, how do I get more followers or any of that shit? You know, and and I I actually want to pull back, not because of self-sabotage, just because like, I want this space. Well, you're in a different space of people that when they come to me, they usually are struggling with it and they have a project that's either about to launch or they- Yeah, they don't want it to get lost. Or they've launched it and they're not seeing the results that they want. And they're like, why? And I'm like, okay, I can see this from the outside, give you a fresh perspective on it. Uh And then also show you systems that can work. And I, my main thing is to teach you how to do it without feeling gross like if you feel gross or weird about this yeah. like we're gonna have a hard time yeah how can we find a sweet spot so you start to that's see that's another problem i always feel gross and weird yeah but you do it anyway <laughs> yeah, in the, it, it's I like do, do it do. anyway no i do in the I face do. of it i've gotten very good at that at uh you know and uh, now you have people to help you i'm sure you've got people that make the wtf posts for you and no no you do it yourself sure it's amazing i have a producer it's just two of us that's great and i yeah but all that stuff yeah and uh yeah i you know i mean i'm okay the gross weird thing it's it's, it makes it makes me a living it does which is which is the like you've got shows that you need to get butts and seats you're essentially like it's they're big bringer shows. You got to get people no, I do to that. shows. Those, yeah, but they seem to come. You yeah, know, I know that. Well, now they I've do. I've got some people. Well, you're you know. kind of brilliant. So. Yeah, well, that's right. Nice. <laughs> As are you. <laughs> Thanks for talking. You're a gem. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Yeah. Melanie Vesey. I think we got to the bottom of some stuff. Her stand-up special, Wild Animal, is on Amazon Prime Video, and her podcast, is called Promotional Rescue. Now, let's play guitar. Let's play the Telecaster that Jay Mascus had sent to me. My friend Jay Mascus. Cool guitar. He's a cool guy. I'm very grateful for friends that have signature guitars and they're willing. They're willing to throw me a bone. Or a guitar, in this case.
Boomer lives. Monkey. LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. Oh, <laughs> 